Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Hi. Hello. (laughs) I think I've only recorded like five of these, four of these. They still feel new and fun and juicy. And I'm like, what's going to (laughs) unfold? Those are the best kinds of things, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It's kind of how I ran my podcast, but we always had this very specific niche. Like Mm. whatever unfolds is going to be abortion related. But in this year, as I like widen my perspective, I'm like, anything could unfold. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay. I will let you introduce yourself. Um, But basically how we connected is that I saw you being coached and I was like, ooh, connection, connection, connection. (laughs) And then I went and looked at your work and like said, Hey, want to have a conversation with me? And here we are. So why don't you tell people who you are and what you do? Yeah. Uh, My name is Joan Chan. Um, I am a family physician and I am as of this past year, also a restorative medical educator and coach. Uh, The thing I say is um, I help human, I help humans in healthcare, make their experience of healthcare feel more human. And that's, I have a podcast called The Other Human in the Room. I'm very pro-human <laughs> and and I have this, I guess, hypothesis that I am acting out in everything that I'm sharing and with coaching sessions is, I mean, if we as a society and healthcare culture really centered helping those who work in healthcare really be deeply in, in good and loving connection with our humanity, mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying that like all the problems would be solved, but we'd get a lot further along <laughs> and we could actually kind of get to actually really grappling with some of the major issues that there are instead of what happens now, which is people feel so dehumanized and disconnected. And then it caused so much more harm to ourselves, but also to our patients, to colleagues, you know, it just causes so much pain. And so, yeah, that's what I'm about. Wow so good I was like trying to write the words fast enough but it is that a term you created restorative medicine education or yeah I made it up yeah that's so good (laughs) I haven't like copyrighted it or whatever yet someone told me I was like I guess but I just couldn't think of another word because like in healthcare there's like CME which is like continuous medical education and that's what like conferences are and stuff and I thought well, I don't, I'm not really interested in going to anything like that anymore. Like I'd rather have all my medical education be deeply personal. And um, I've been on, like everyone who gets to this work on my own journey of doing this for myself. And so these concepts of like even restorative yoga or like restorative coming home to yourself, like including embodiment work like that, all these concepts being really, um, different facets of the same thing which is just like what if you are okay as you are well the word itself just has this energy of like there is something to come back to it's not like um so if I'm thinking about my abortion work right there's um so much of that work is around the huge identity shift people go through on what for their first abortion subsequent abortions whatever it is there's like massive amounts of identity shift that happens and just that word restorative is like what's so uncomfortable about the identity shift for people is like I don't know who I am anymore who am I like what happens now just that word of like well now we restore (laughs) my language is like um 
I'm not questioning my language. Like I still like my language. I'm just like brain processing how it works together. My language is like, we birth a new you. Mm. But like, is it really new? No, Mm. (laughs) it's not. We're not really birthing a new you, which is very clear in my work, but in the language of it, it's like, we're going to birth something brand new into the world, which we are, but we're going to do that by restoring, right? By coming back to who you were all along. So that's what I think, like different language, but the same idea. It's the same idea. Cause well, what I think happens to a lot of people who go through say a, a crisis of identity like that, and certainly folks in healthcare who are feeling that burnt out point where they're like, they don't even recognize why they're doing it anymore. They hate their jobs. They're resentful of their patients. Like they can, it can be so painful. And then if we talk about restoring, actually sometimes that doesn't feel familiar because a lot of people like I can relate. I forgot myself a long time ago. So it feels, it feels new. It feels new for the first time often to be considering what do I want what I want matters. Mm-hmm. Centering myself in my life is new because the last time I did it, I was two and I got punished for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so then it <laughs> actually, there's something where you, you have to like dismantle who you thought you were. So it feels like you are creating a new identity. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, it's just not it's old. Much for the same idea. <laughs> yeah. Which is what we're all doing out here. Um, yeah. I just was questioning. I'm like, did we talk about restorative before we hit record or after? But when you said like, um, I got to trademark that or like, I don't even know what the words are because I'm like, it's so crazy. Cause we're all talking about the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're just we really putting are. a different flavor and spin oh, on yeah. it. So it's, yeah. it is like a weird thing. Um, but anyway, yes, we're, we're all talking about the same things in this journey of figuring out what it means to be human and I feel like that's where um that's where my work is shifting I spent like a good three solid years just solely abortion niched Mm. and then I really wanted to span out come back out bring back in some of my birth work some of my parenting works and then like all the freaking crazy and amazing like in in what they come from but like crazy health journeys we take as uterine bodied people right (laughs) like can we just bring it all together Mm. and come back to wholeness which is like this restoring yeah um but I know that in my abortion work these questions you asked what do I want and reminding what I want matters. Yeah. It like so often just comes back there. It's yeah. so often coming back to that place um, yes. on our journeys as humans. This is, it's so, I'm feeling like I have this, just you talking about what you do. And also just like, like, so the idea that a uterine bodied person is faced with this choice. And then it's like, well, it's your choice, but what if this is the first time you've even been having had your choice honored and it feels like there's still a lot of pressure about the choice or how, or, and you know, like if you've spent your whole life not being given choices or be, you know what I mean? And suddenly you're given this choice that is, I mean, I know it's just relative, but like, it's, um, it's a big one, like whatever big means part of my work is like, it's not big. It's just another moment. It's another moment. Yeah, for sure. It's swallowing a pill. It's popping into the office for a quick procedure. And then another part of me is like, it's huge. It's transformational. (laughs) Sure. Depends (laughs) on the person, right? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Always. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about, um, I keep talking about my abortion work cause it somehow feels has felt aligned, but mm. let's talk about, 
this space that I'm creating mm-hmm. where um, we as uterine bodied people, whether we choose to identify as female, keep those uteruses, use them to make babies, whatever it is, we've got like all the hormones and all the cycles and the bleeding and the cysts and the, <laughs> you know, and now yeah. a lot of people I probably because of where I'm at, I seem to be attracting a lot of people into the group who are in perimenopause and moving it, right? We have these entire trajectories of our um, like uterine bodied experience. Yeah. And in general medicine, that is like under-researched, underpaid mm-hmm. attention to. Yeah. Um, it's a place where things get very compartmentalized and like, we don't look at the whole human and their whole experience. We're like, what do we do about this heavy bleeding? Yeah. Versus like, how is this heavy bleeding related to all the other things in your life? <laughs> yeah. Um. So why don't you share some of your thoughts about bringing yourself mm. as a whole human with a whole history, whether you're Literally, whether you're in your 20s or your 50s, you still have a whole experience as this Um, body. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So share some of your thoughts about bringing yourself into the room, into like, I'm one of those people who has like a lot of lab coat anxiety. Like I see Mm. the white coat and I'm like, "Ah." danger. Yeah. And that's understandable. Mm -hmm. Um. So how do we bring our whole selves to our healthcare and get good medical? Cause there's great medical care underneath those white lab coats. A lot yeah. of them. Yeah. How do we bring all of ourselves to that without getting lost and scared and detached? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll share a bit of what I have done to, to help make those rooms more comfortable for my patient, you know, it, it, from that perspective, like, for example, I and nobody I know wears a white coat anymore. Like it kind of depends where there there's really a movement away it's from true. that. It's but true. it doesn't mean that it that you know having the stethoscope around your neck and having the you know blood pressure cuff on the wall there's still something that gets evoked. In fact, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the term white coat hypertension, but the idea that people yeah. can have high blood pressure only in a doctor's office. Yeah. So obviously there's something even if they don't feel anxious, it's fascinating. Um so like there's something about that setting that can feel um, unsafe for people for very good reason. I, you know, I certainly wish it was always an understanding, non-destigmatizing, non-abusive, non-traumatic place, but unfortunately a lot of times it can be for folks, you know? And um, so I try and like, just acknowledge that when I'm with patients, like I try and, I do try and bring my humanity in, um, in a way that still centers them, their experience, but me connecting with them as another human. Um, I think of examples of like, I do, so I do insert IUDs and, um, a lot of people are, are afraid of the pain of those. And I, I try not to minimize, firstly, not minimize their fear, acknowledge and validate their fear. I also try not to minimize the pain. And I do share like, that I have had one inserted in myself. And the way I frame it is I have, I have had an IUD inserted and I have um, given birth twice without, <laughs> uh, without medication. And then I'll say, guess when, guess which one hurt more. And then a lot of people are like, the IUD hurt more. I'm like, no, the child <laughs> <laughs> which shows it's so funny. And other people are fine with it. It's so, just trying to like frame, frame yeah. things a bit. And, but also just let them know, like, I've been where you are only when it's authentic. And then also acknowledge when I haven't been where they are. And especially in those cases, though, in all cases, um, never, I'm trying never to presume I under, I know their experience better than them at all. So it's all like, what's it like for you? So someone who has been menopause, what's it like for you? I feel like, especially, I don't know if you were in, the shame clinic um that Simone yeah. did. But that was like his whole that really like blew things up for me. I was like, oh. And so I've just been asking people more to just to share their experience of being them in their body with their pain, with their bleeding, with their, you know, and that that and then especially if that's done in a way where 
I'm not picking it apart, but I'm just like, that sounds challenging. That sounds hard. Like, tell me what that's like. Tell me, is there something that you do like about it? Like trying to like give them space Mm -hmm. to just express their experience. Um, And then when I speak about what I know, I do try and really have it be. So this is what I know. This is what my training has taught me. This is what my experience with other people has taught me, which Mm -hmm. I think could be happening in your scenario, Mm -hmm. but I'm not ever telling them I know. Do you know what I mean? Especially now, sometimes like the ultrasound shows the cyst, but sometimes we know that that's not even the whole reason for the pain, right? So it's like, I always just leave a lot of room for discovery, you know? Um, Actually, you reached out to me and you shared this like co-creation with your provider thing. And I was like, literally co-creation is how I, that's my favorite term for what I feel like we're doing. I'm always feeling like I'm, maybe I'm like sculpting the thing a bit and I'm like handing it back to them. What do you think? Okay. We're going to try this medicine or we're going to try this, whatever, come back. And then we will continue to solve the mystery almost still sounds too definitive. Like you're going to get to the end of the mystery book, but it's, you know, it's an unfolding discovery of what's happening. Um, and I enjoy my job a lot more that way (laughs) than how I used to feel like I had to have all the answers and then tell them to the person. And then I would feel like a failure and I'd be mad at them if they thought they had their own ideas. Like it was so not helpful. (laughs) Of course. I have so many like (laughs) brain exploding things happening. Um, Can I share some of them? Because please do. I have like a lot of different perspectives happening right now, but One thing, as I hear you asking questions like, what's it like for you? What I want to offer is as a patient, as a client, as Mm -hmm. someone on the other side. And I think part of that lab coat, like, yes, it is totally amazing to go in and have people in like normal clothing and they're friendly and they're like, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and so much has shifted. Yeah. But also like the truth is like, we had to make an appointment to see you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like it's, it will never completely go away. Yeah. So when I hear you ask questions like that, as a thoughtful um, provider, we just turn that around. So if you're the person going, it's like, what's this like for me, right? You're sitting in the waiting room. What's this like for me? You get brought into the next space. What's this like for me? And centering questions like that, which are the opposite because your care provider might not be asking you what's it like for you (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. and expecting to be seen. Like I am here to be seen. Oh, that's so good. Not just like medically seen, but like seen. And what would change in our experience? Now, not to put all the weight on ourselves, because yes, we hope our care provider wants to Mm. see us, wants Mm. to know what it's like for us. But like, if we can do our best to go in with the energy of, I am here to, for you to see all of me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That I think can really change the energy. And then also, um, what did I write here? Uh, what did you say? Uh, you said like, um, from what I know. And so yeah. when I turned that around, it was like, I'm here to learn what they know mm-hmm. and blend it with my experience. Yes. Right. That's the dream. <laughs> Come at it. Like if you as the patient or the client can come in going, reminding yourself, I'm here to learn what they know and blend it with my own experience. Now you're centering yourself in the care. So those were all things that came up with me for me. But then my brain had a breaking moment that I need to tell you about. So (laughs) before I tell you that, did anything come up for you? Anything I saw you taking a note. I took a note like, well, just the uh, imagining if patients had this intention of like, I expect to be seen. And I actually have had some humbling moments because I definitely can still get into the frame of, okay, we're doing it. We have a fast pace. It's a weird setup. And um, I've had times where patients have said, I can remember when, and, and they said like, no, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I didn't need this. I needed this. And I was like, pause. Thank you. Because a lot of patients are like, okay, 
okay. And then they, and I understand why it's not, but like, and then like five months later, like I never took your medicine. I actually don't believe in any. And you're like, oh no, you know? So like (laughs) when a patient, and I think a lot of times those patients get labeled difficult. Yes. Like honestly. And it's like, I just felt so grateful to this patient for saying that isn't what I needed to hear that. And like, and was so clear about what they needed. And that was so helpful for me. And I wish it was true that every provider and every encounter would receive that with gratitude. (laughs) We're on a journey, but um, anyway, I think it is, I mean, just so helpful. I'm using the word patient because I haven't yet found a different word. So I hope that's okay. I know it's its own little box. It's like a kind of a role. Um, I don't know what to use either. But I also know there's a phenomenon that happens a lot and it's actually quite understandable where patients come in and they they're like, I know what's happening to me. I need this test. And it's because I have this diagnosis. And um, that is challenging when you are thought you were going to be there as the knowledge haver. And, and so I have learned ways to still work with that and still honor the the research and work they have done and what they know, Mm. but still say, you know, this is, really helpful. You've done this research. It's funny. This is literally the topic of my podcast is like <laughs> yeah. Dr. Google. What do yeah, we do with yeah, Dr. Yeah. Google? No, so, and saying like, you've done this because you really want relief or you're, you, you know, tell me why you think it's this. You still can find a way in and then let, let the patient know, like, it's important that I still hear the whole story. I may hear something a little different. I may hear a different clue that we have to at least rule out something else. So, you know, not pushing back and saying, don't tell me what to do, but like, do you know what I mean? I, I use and my hands a lot. As patients, it makes sense that we come in like kind of like intense and ready to defend oh. ourselves and wanting yes. what we've researched to be heard. But yes. also it is our responsibility. Should we want whole care, <laughs> mm. right? It is our responsibility to come in and say like I am honoring the research I have done and I am honoring your expertise again mm. can we blend it together and I love that word blend. like mm. because yeah I don't think we want to get it's not even I don't think I know we don't want to get to the point where our healthcare is like our retail consumerism the customer is always right like we don't want to land there that's problematic yeah yeah why are we going to med school if the patient is always right like no like we need but but working to sort of blend and honor that that together when you said the word difficult I thought that was really interesting because I'm a person who very much does not want to be difficult Um, but what popped into my mind when you said that was like, just this reminder to, to, what does that even mean? What does it even mean? Right. Like when we're Mm -hmm. telling ourselves, I don't want to be difficult. We usually just then start people pleasing. What if we tell ourselves, I don't want to be difficult. And then we stop and go, what does difficult mean? Does Mm -hmm. it difficult mean? I just like. Like, what does that really mean? Am I actually being difficult if I tell them about some other piece of my history? No, I'm not. But a lot of times we just stop at that. I don't want to be difficult. And we don't really question what difficult means. And I think if we just take that one next step, like, what does difficult mean? Am I being difficult if I do this thing? No, No. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) No. Yeah. That word really stuck out to me when you said it. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's, are you ready for my moment that made me like, oh. <laughs> yes, I'm really curious now. <laughs> okay, so when you were talking about co-creation and when you were talking about this, like, you know, ex- this healthcare that we create together, my brain immediately goes to like, yeah, that's lovely, but healthcare is fucking expensive and I don't mm. have time for six appointments to co-create. <laughs> so there's that blend of like, I want to be empowered in my healthcare, but mm. also you're the expert. Just tell me what to do because I don't have money for a mm. million appointments, time, mm-hmm. money, 
all of it, right? Like, yep. we wait, remind me where you are. Where are you? Well, one of the things that's interesting is I practice in, in Ontario, Canada. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So as someone in the U.S., mm-hmm. like, and I just, I'm just going through this now because I have a foot surgery coming up, but I've already had the foot surgery and it failed. So I'm having a second foot surgery with a new person and like a whole thing. And I have really good health insurance. I'm a white woman. I live in a beautiful, like so many things going for me but I have a $6,000 deductible. And I'm literally going through this now. I'm like, I have some more questions, but do I want to, do I want to pay for another appointment to co-create? Yeah. And I'm literally like, I'm, my surgery is at the end of March. I'm literally in this now. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just trust him and go mm. with what he says. Cause I don't know if I want to pay for another appointment to co-create. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge that as something that those of us without. Now, socialized medicine has its own set of problems. So like, yep. Any question? problems everywhere. <laughs> We're yep. just acknowledging what are the problems where we are and how do we yeah. want to navigate them. But as people who pay, and especially people who um like maybe my traditional western medicine is covered but i'm a person who also wants to see a chiropractor and an acupuncturist and an herbalist Mm -hmm. and like all that co-creation cha-ching 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 yep yep so just seeing that part of us that's like we know what's best Mm-hmm. But we also have limitations on what we can really do. And yeah. so sometimes we're just like, tell me what to do because I don't want seven more appointments to figure it out. Yeah. And that may be a place where we give away our power and see them as an expert. Mm. There's just so many layers to all of it. Anyway, yeah. that was that was my moment. Where about, your brain broke. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's just so beautiful. And now on the, being on the other side of it, I'm like more money, more money, more money. (laughs) You know, what's funny though. And I mean, it's not more money. So for us, we're always solving for time because our patients do not have to pay. And so some patients therefore want to see us all the time. And so now we're, we're negotiating in a different way than we would have to, if we were like, okay, how much, what's your budget for me? Right. Which is just a different question, but like in both cases, like So both the patient and the provider can, you know, be mutually invested in co-creating in a way that isn't expensive, whether it's expensive for time or expensive for money. Because like, um, I picture, well, what I do a lot with patients is it's like, okay, I think this might be going on. And especially if the patient is quite empowered and engaged, I usually don't give them just one idea. Like say, I mean, like a really simple example is like acne. I give like three prescriptions for different creams and I say, try try this one and then try it for this long. And then if it doesn't work, then try this one. And then if it doesn't work, try it for this long. Because I'm really not, I love seeing my patients, but I'm not, I don't need them to keep coming back. And I think, I mean, there might be um, physicians or other clinicians in the state that really just want everyone to come back every week to make a billion dollars. But like, there's so many patients that I think even in those cases, like, they're good. They want to like, have, have you be a part of figuring it out. And so I love doing that, like, um, like a bit of an algorithm you know, um, certain medicines, it's like, we're going to start at this dose. And then if you waited this long, and it's still not better, you can go like I give them parameters. So it's safe. And everyone feels okay. But it's way more efficient for me. And, you know, you know, it's time saving for me. And therefore, I have more time and energy to try and offer all patients plus time for myself, right. But like, and then the patient doesn't have to keep coming back, for sure. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. And yeah, I mean, it, I love that we're having this conversation because time and money, none of it really matters. It's all the same. Yeah. But because it's different, it's asking our brains to look at it in different ways. And that's a fantastic solution. I'm now thinking about my dog who's like curled up next to me. Yeah. And we went, we went to the vet 
The vet could not figure out her problem. So we went to a new vet. New vet was like, here's the solution. Go home with the solution. Solution didn't work. Yep. And now I'm like, okay, <laughs> go back again yeah. and spend more money, more time figuring mm-hmm. out the solution where how lovely would that have been if I went home with choice and yeah. like layers of care, Yeah. right? If this doesn't work, try this. But instead yeah. it's like, if that doesn't work, come back in. If that doesn't mm-hmm. work, come back in. I'm like, okay. then I have to do all of this like mindset work to just like get myself to go back in and how many people and this is just the vet we're talking about so how many people are getting lost because they don't want to go back in Mm -hmm. whether it's for time or money or overcoming their anxiety or figuring out their schedule whatever it is so many reasons people are just like dropping out drop out of follow-up appointments for co-creation because that's all this vet appointment would be go back in talk about the next step right Mm -hmm. when we drop out there's so much loss there's so much loss yeah Mm. and it and it ends up i mean first of all the suffering (laughs) and like i i do try and think of it um almost in like a salesy way not but like why is this why is it a better investment upfront to, you know, take care of my own stories on my side of the clinic room and then really listen carefully and create a plan that meets them where they're at. It's better for my overall hypothesis. If it's better for me, it is also better for them. And then, and, and so vice versa, right? So it's like, sometimes um, if I'm in a patient role, it's like, well, I don't want to bother them with too much, or I, I don't want to be difficult or whatever, but it's like, okay, what are the pieces of this, that just my gut tells me, I really want to share and whether they receive it or not is out of my control. But like, I want to feel like I've done my best to, to share the information that seems relevant to me about this issue that's going on yeah. to kind of give them, give it our best chance of like good co-creation, mm-hmm. you know, and that that will be my best investment of my time and money. If I share the whole deal and even maybe asking some questions or it's like, okay, you're going to try this medicine. Do you mind if I ask, like, if this doesn't work, what would that mean? How long, how long should I wait for it to work? What will be the measures of success that it is working? What will it mean if I don't, right? Like sometimes we think that that is being difficult and listen, people are whatever, but like, if people feel comfortable to, to share and ask those sorts of questions with their provider, like we know that's going to be a better management plan because everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows when to go to emerge, when to come back, what's a red flag, like transferring that knowledge so that it's not just up to the doctor to say good or bad, right? Like it's yeah. just so much just better for everyone. Process from being on the other side, right? Being the patient, being the, yeah. um, and what I, when I th- when I heard you talking and I thought about myself in two examples, one with my own care and my foot, and then yeah. two with my dog's care in the vet. Mm-hmm. In both those experience, right? Because I am her voice. So yeah. in both those experiences, I as you were talking, I asked myself, why didn't I ask more questions? Why didn't mm-hmm. I wonder like, okay, if this doesn't work, what's the next plan? Like, why didn't I do that Mm. and the answer is because I was like oh please let this work oh please let this work Mm, right I like I want to believe that whatever there's off they're offering me is going to work so badly that I don't even want to let myself go to the place of what if this doesn't work Mm. so just seeing that how might I prepare like Seeing that now, let's say I was headed to an appointment this afternoon from a, from a mindset coaching well-being perspective, how might I prepare myself to notice that moment where I'm like, I hope this is the answer. Just give it to me and I'll leave. (laughs) It's not that I'm afraid to be difficult in that moment. I'm just like grabbing for the easy button and I don't want to face the fact that it might not work. Yeah. Well, I would just uh, like 
offer self and offer you and anyone with that mindset so much compassion. Of course, you want the first thing to work. You are in pain, in suffering in some way. That's why you've gone to a clinician, right? We want it to go away and we are hoping it'll be fast. And often I will say, I use a lot of like, I wish, I hope, say like, I wish I had a fast solution to this. I say, trust me, if I had the solution to aging or the solution, like I, in the right context, I even use a bit of humor, right? Like I, if, trust me, if I had a fast option where I just like spray something in your face and you never feel the symptom again, <laughs> yeah. I obviously am going to that and I'm going to make a billion dollars. Like I kind of do that. That's like literally a version of my script or I, that I do a lot. Cause like, of course we both wish this was simpler than it, it may end up being. Totally. And, and I am like, I'm kind of saying what I would say, like I would, I am providing the thing that I do believe based on my experience has the best chance of you know, getting rid of this symptom or whatever the thing is that we're aiming for. And I want you to be prepared in case, you know, yeah. I say like the, say the extra script or the just in case script. I'm like, I hope you get to yeah. just shred this. I yeah. hope this. And, and it's like, I just know that it's hard to come see me or it's expensive to come see me. So do you see yeah. where it's like, um, and then from a mindset perspective of the patient, it is as much as you feel it's available to you to ask, like, what is it that you think is lost if it's not solved fast? Understanding, of course, we want to get out of pain fast yeah. or whatever, you know, but like, I almost think of it as, um, not to bring it, I, we're both, I know we both know Simone Soul's work because that's where you saw me being coached. And I know that's about marketing, but Everything she talks good about- in my life is somehow connected. It's all, it's I'm like obsessed five degrees her. to Simone Soul. I know. <laughs> her concept of like winning result versus bonus result or yeah. like a, pro- a process goal versus like a outcome goal. Yeah. Cause I think there's something to be named, which is neither you nor me in this case, say we're acting out these roles have full understanding, knowledge, or control over the body mm-hmm. that we are trying to tend to. Mm-hmm. It's like a garden. I think of the bodies like a garden. And so we're going to try a little fertilizer. We're going to try pulling up these weeds. We're going to try these things, knowing what we, lots of knowledge here. That's like, this is likely what's going to happen. But I say likely a lot. I say, because I am not a fortune teller. Yeah. Anyone who pretends to be a fortune teller, anyone who's like, I will take away your pain in two seconds flat, run for the hills. Because, you know, so that's like how I, it's, it's, um, that that's sort of what came up yeah. for me when you I'm were sharing that. I'm thinking about so like again as you talk, I'm always processing back. So I'm yeah. thinking about even just the vet, right? Like the vet definitely did that. The vet was not like this is going to work. Have a great day. The vet mm-hmm. was like, if this doesn't work, there's what here's what we'll do. Yeah. And what I was the one who was like not listening, not listening. This is going to work. This is going to work. Yeah, was on me. Like I can Mm. self-reflect and go, they gave me plenty of opportunity Mm. to sort Mm -hmm. of have that conversation and hear that this might not work. I was the one who was just like, please let this work. Please let this work. So the words I came up for for myself, which might help other people, who knows? This is like, just like to remind myself, I'm going in for the next step because mm. I'm a very all or nothing person. I have, I have programmed my own brain to be very all or nothing. And I'm trying to unprogram my brain to be yeah. very nothing. So for me, I think those words would be very helpful for me going into an appointment for my kids, for my animals, for myself, like to remind myself, I know you want the end result, Amanda, of course mm-hmm. you do, mm-hmm. but we're going in for the next step. And that mm-hmm. way, if I believe I'm only going in for the next step, then I also believe there are more steps. Whether yeah. the next step is like freedom and it's all fixed yeah. or the next step is like, that didn't work. Here's why. Let's try this. But mm. those words for me, I think from this conversation, I will carry into my next appointment, hopefully. Love that. <laughs> Can I offer another another additional? Because it, it goes with next step. Yeah. But in some ways, um, uh, well, one concept I really like 
to think about for myself is scarcity versus abundant mindset, which is a bit of like, so scarcity being black or white thinking, and then abundance being uh, all the gray and it's all, and there's lots of richness and there's lots going on. Right. And so um, it's very easy when we are, uh, when we have a medical problem, like something is off in our body, something feels wrong or strange or weird. Of course, our brain is very focused on that and focused on, and, and really like amplifying that in our mind and our experience of like, be, that's good. Right. Cause that's like, I need help. I need attention. I need to go. Right. Like it's like a little flashing light somewhere in our body. Right. And especially then if that really ramps us up to think like, and I really same also a human who needs healthcare. Right. So like I can get this way too. Then it's like, um, okay. When I go in there, if I think I need the solution to feel okay, if I need the solution to be okay, how am I already okay? Not to like yeah. minimize, I'm not minimizing, totally. I'm going in for this pain. It's like the tension of both. Don't minimize because a lot of us, especially those uterine bodied, minimize our symptoms until they're like, oh, God, right? And so it's like honor what's there and <laughs> honor that this is just one part of the garden or whatever. Like what else about me is so well and that can't be changed by whatever happens in this clinical appointment because I actually already love singing. I love laughing with my kids. It's harder to do when I'm in pain, but I I have that available to me too. That might take some of the pressure off internally. Yeah. Does that make sense? The way totally. I and it's just, I, and I love it because, um, because this new space I'm cultivating is called the full spectrum space. That is so much. It is like, yes, you are the thing you're going through and you are the, the one laughing with your kids, right? Like, and yeah, like let's look at the full spectrum experience you're having as a human. Mm. Um, so that was just perfect. I love that. Uh, it's already been 45 minutes and but I think I have to ask you this question. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, if you have a few more minutes. I okay. do. Mm-hmm. So, so we met through the coaching world, right? Like, so I yeah. know you have that lens and we met through Simone Soul, who is a marketing coach and very much um, her marketing message is like, give value. That's how you market. Mm-hmm. And so throughout this conversation, I've been thinking a lot about that model of care. Like as coaches, we believe, like it's in our culture to give resource, to give value, to give option, to give choice, to give tools, to give resources. Mm -hmm. And that's such a beautiful thing that, does not really exist the same way in the medical model of care. (laughs) (laughs) I concur. You're not wrong. Model of care is like all your tools, all your resources, all your choices, all your directions, all your medications, all your surgeries are behind this wall. Yeah. Come into the wall and I will tell you what they are. Yeah. Do you think that will change. And I'm I'm talking about medical care, but then I'm also talking about even just therapeutic care, right? Like a lot yeah. of therapists will come to me and be like, well, yeah, you can do that because you're a coach. I can't do that because I'm a therapist. No, no. Right? It's like, I can't give value ahead of time. I can't talk about my own personal feelings on things. I can't this, I can't that. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> this is so, this is so messed up, right? Like yeah. what would happen in a world where medical providers were marketing in that way, right? Yeah. Like I'm calling it marketing, but like, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like what if your healthcare provider was giving you all those tips and tools and tricks behind yep. in the world And you were receiving them and then you were going in and just like a client pays us for the coaching, they already have received received results by being in our 
in our world. Yes. They're paying us for that extra one-on-one connection, but they're coming in already being changed. Yes. We're so much in the medical care, like we're just going in for the first introduction. Mm-hmm. You know, like with my foot surgery, like first foot surgeon became a nightmare, didn't work. Go in to see the second foot surgeon. I knew I knew nothing about him. Mm. Mm-hmm. other than you know the bio I read and like a few reviews like yeah. I know nothing about him until I get in the room and so yeah. there's so much pressure on that moment mm-hmm. because I don't have the marketing warm-up yep. totally <laughs> so that's my thought I'm just, I'll shut up now and let you share well, it's funny. It's like, clearly you've been like reading my diaries or something. Cause like, this is like my, when I discovered coaching as a modality, which was, I guess, uh, over a year ago now, but like a year and a half ago, I was like, Oh, this is what would save healthcare. <laughs> it's like, that's my opinion. Like, for, first of all, the coaching model, the, the tools we learn as coaches and the framework of what belongs to the client and what belongs to us and what we're kind of both doing there and the whole empowering framework for sure. Like certainly in my quite resource scarce, publicly funded, you know, always burdened type system, uh, we need a really um, engaged and um, activated patient population that would be very useful to us actually. Um, But we have this mindset, which is it's shifting away from paternalistic, but still has these like paternalistic, I need to know best things. And um, I have seen, certainly it's changing. um, A lot of, um, a lot of clinicians are, are doing that reach out to patients. Like it's like patient awareness or patient education. Like I see physicians like on, on TikTok or whatever. And they're like, Hey, like this is actually the, and so we see that globally, but I don't see that at all as a model that we are kind of teaching to each other within our clinic. And that's like literally one of the things I want to do. So like, I'm doing this restorative medical education stuff, but I'm also like, how do I now, how do I also bring this into my practice? So like a small example is I, I gave a town hall webinar on zoom for my patients where I like shared with them, like, these are the ways you can access, like some of it was like basic. It was like announcements. Did you know we have online booking? But like, and the, a bunch of them didn't. Like it's like exactly. basic marketing 101 of like yes. tell your your customer, but like tell them how they can access you. Tell them yeah. how, you know, what when to access you, what results they can expect. Like you think of it in that way, but we, we don't because like most clinicians are just like, ah, there's so many patients. We're not thinking proactively and we're not business minded, yeah. especially we have weird money thoughts in Canada I, is my opinion <laughs> because it's like not direct. It's interesting, but like, I want to do more of that. Like I want to do some groups with my patients that are like about how to feel better, kind of like emotional processing because like I'm having the same conversation. It's like, you know, when you're a coach like, and you've done a million one on one more benefit as it's for as my care. I just need to get a bit efficient. I like, I'm, I want to record the, I want to record the workshops and put them up on our website and be like, go watch those. Here's and some other resources. And then, so they're prepped, they're primed. I'm not like saying emotions are a part of your body for the first time. And they're like, what? You know, yeah, like they yeah, have yeah. time to digest it. And like, I, all of that is value add to them and me. Like it's always, it's this totally iterative thing. And so I'm doing it at my own speed and what makes sense to me, but like, it just keeps being true everywhere that like what is good and will serve me and make my job easier ultimately makes it easier for them too. You know, like, especially when I'm grounded in my humanity, if I'm not believing scarcity stories or oppressive stories about my, I need to hold all the power or any of this stuff, Yeah, you know? So I am like coaching. We we need it. like I said, in one little interaction where I was watching you get coached. So I feel like I should apologize that I just brought that up if that's what you're already doing. I mean, not like, I'm sorry, but maybe you're already doing this and we should all be following your stuff. I just did like a quick scan. I was like, come have a conversation with me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, let's keep following and sharing the work of people who are doing that. Yes. 
I yeah. love that you did that. Yeah. I can't even imagine one of my physicians having a little town hall meeting. I would have been like, that's just giddy. That's amazing. It's so good. You see, you see, there's some examples. Oh, I, I see them more in the States because like private, I don't really understand, but there's like private practice physicians and then they have yeah. to market themselves. Right. And so I see then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you have a Facebook physicians, the Facebook live every week for their patients. I'm like, Whoa. So, I mean, it's different everywhere you are in terms of um, the financial incentive to do it, but like, I'm, I'm fine financially. This is actually like, the emotional satisfaction investment, you know, that's what I'm going for these days. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So where do people follow you as an, ex- sorry, as an example of this happening, of this existing, of this working? Yeah. Um. So I'm at Joan Chan MD on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, Twitter. Oh um, and then joanchanmd.com is my website. Um, my niche is folks who work in healthcare. Um, and I know at least, at least one, per, I've heard one person, like my sister-in-law said, Oh, my brother listens to your podcast and he is not working in healthcare. So I know there's, I love that. <laughs> so that's fun that there's like, uh, folks out there, even like people I went through certification with, um, and then they, you know, so then we follow each other and they interact with some of the stuff and you're like, I never thought about how clinicians would have that to think yeah. about that. And so it's neat. It's, it's not at all the primary purpose, but a side effect is um, also like uh, reminding people not in healthcare that health people who work in healthcare are human. And I feel like that is, if we remind it, everyone reminds that it's, we're all actually just humans doing our best to take care of each other, but we're working in a quite an oppressive um, set of rules and systems. We didn't talk about that too much, but that is my underlying belief is um, that that is really what causes us to harm each other so much. So if we understand though, the person sitting across from us is human trying their best, we're a human trying their best, right? So that's, and then the podcast is the other human in the room. Again, just reminding two humans, two brains, two bodies, how do we take care of both of us? And then that will be us doing our job best, you know? So I'm so glad we connected. Me too. Uh, this is fun. Great. I'm, I'm excited to share it. Um, and thank you. Thank you for doing your work in the world. Thank you for doing your work. Like when you sent me that, like, it's so, I don't know why I didn't think about how, of course, there will be people who are supporting and coaching those who need to interact in the patient role, but it's so wonderful. Cause like all together, we're going to figure this thing out. Perfect. Great. I know, right? <laughs> Good. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there at almost an hour. I'm always like, yeah, I can make these a half hour. <laughs> no. And I say that every time. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's how it goes. How it goes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.